0: This is Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgi, and I'm back for another episode to talk about what you care about most in the world of college sports, and tonight, that is the National Championship. This is your Men's Basketball National Championship Instant Reaction Show. I'm going to give you something quick here. I'm recording this immediately after the game ended. UConn is your 2023 national champions. They defeat the San Diego state Aztecs 76 to 59. And UConn goes on a run as a four seed where they do not win a game by less than single digits throughout this entire tournament, capping it off with a 17 point victory in the national championship game. What a run for UConn. What a season for UConn. I remember sitting back here in February, breaking down the UConn-Creighton game, and I wasn't sure about UConn at that time. They had just come off kind of a rough stretch. They were sitting at uh, 19-6, 8-6 in the conference, going to that Creighton game. They ultimately lost that game to Creighton the fall to eight and seven in the conference. And then after that game, they only lost one game the rest of the season. They went 11 and one from February 18th on that lone loss was to Marquette in the big East tournament. What, what can I say other than it was an incredible run for UConn. I didn't buy in nearly soon enough to them and what they could do. And it cost me. It cost me because if you've been following my picks on Twitter at Gorgon Sports, you'll see that I've bet against UConn quite a bit here in the tournament. And boy, oh boy, was I wrong to do so. So hats off to the UConn Huskies. Uh, tonight's a night for celebration for Husky fans everywhere. UConn earns its fifth national championship. Its fifth national championship. Since 1999, it's uh, UConn has now won national championships under three different coaches: Jim Calhoun, Kevin Ollie, and now Dan Hurley. Every time UConn has been to a national championship game, they have won. They are now five and zero in national championship games. They have five national championships to their name. I don't know that there is any program. That has, a, that has had a better 25-year run than the UConn Huskies. And it's just uh, another feather in that program's cap. It seems like that program is now starting a new era where they can expect to get this thing rolling for a, a long, long time. And uh, just congratulations to UConn on an unbelievable tournament. What I want to do tonight with this show is I want to hit on a few quick things, a few things that we learned from this game, from this tournament. What can we take away from UConn coming away with this national championship? The first thing that I feel like we can take away from UConn and this r- incredible run that they went on, this dominant run that they went on, is in order to win in March, you need to be multiple. You hear defensive coordinators in football say all the time, we want to be multiple on defense. We want to throw... And basically what that means is they just want to throw multiple looks at the offense. Well, when I say you need to be multiple in this context, what I mean is you need to have multiple ways to win a game. And I felt like tonight really showed all the different ways that UConn does have to win a game. And there was a point in this ball game where San Diego State was battling back. They had cut it to five and what do they do Jordan Hawkins comes around a couple screens hits a catch and shoot 3 on a curl and he responded when they needed it most then two possessions later or uh, yeah two possessions later San Diego State has the ball San Diego State the very next possession after that Hawkins 3 kind of threw the ball away and then they got it back and on this possession Adama Sanogo just absolutely stands up Ladee, who'd had a pretty nice second half and made some things happen coming off the bench for the Aztecs. And Sanogo absolutely stands up Ladee. It was like somebody hitting a brick wall. And that's Adama Sunogo. Like He epitomizes grown man strength. He is just a strong guy, a, a defensive presence, and uh, that was a play where, you know, UCon- UConn showed this is what they can do on the defensive side. So I thought those two plays is a, a kind of epitomized all that UConn has to offer on the offensive end. You can go to Sinogo, but in that instance, they went to Jordan Hawkins who knocked down a three when it mattered most, and he looked so calm, comfortable, and confident coming around that screen and knocking down that shot. And then on the other side of things, Adama Sinogo, who had 17 points in this game, who has had an absolutely unreal tournament, an absolutely unreal season for UConn, just makes a great defensive play, stands up LeDee in the paint. And to me, that showed... Just a couple of the things that UConn can do. Obviously, on the offensive side, UConn can also go in the paint, where they have Sunogo, who, as I said, he had those 17 points. He also had five offensive rebounds tonight. But not only do they have Sunogo, they have Klingon, who Brian and I talked about on our last episode is another option inside. UConn can hit from the outside as well tonight, Six of 17 from three, not necessarily an outstanding night, but a very serviceable night, especially compared to San Diego State's six of 23. I thought UConn used its length and athleticism to really make life difficult for San Diego State on the, the offensive end. I thought they forced San Diego State into... A bunch of threes, a bunch of jumpers, uh, a bunch of shots that San Diego State really didn't want and weren't gonna be successful with. So to me, this game showed, this run showed, in order to win in March, you will greatly benefit from being multiple, from having multiple options like UConn did. And I felt like we had a lot of talk this year. You know, this was the year we had all these great big men. And if you look at the Big Ten in particular, with Zach Eady and Trace Jackson-Davis, just to name a few. I mean, you also have Hunter Dickinson out there in the Big Ten. The Big Ten in particular, a ton of great big men, but also nationally in the Big East. I mean, you have Sunogo, you have Kalkbrenner, Kalkbrenner um, at Creighton. So a lot of great big men out there, and I feel like with some of the failure of the Big Ten in this tournament and with Michigan failing to even make the tournament with Hunter Dickinson, there was a lot of talk about, like, can you even win with a big man being your best player, and I think the answer based on this Yukon run, this Yukon national title, is a resounding yes, because for my money, Adama Sanogo has been their best player the entire year. He's absolutely been their best player in the tournament. And you know, I'm just going to I want to just run this down for you really quick. Tournament games for Adama Sanogo opener. 28 points, 13 boards. Second round, 24 points, 8 boards. Sweet 16 against Arkansas. A hot Arkansas team. 18 points, 8 boards. Final uh, Elite 8 against Gonzaga. 10 points, 10 boards. Final 4 against Miami. 21 points, 10 boards. And tonight in the national championship game, 17 points, 10 rebounds for Adama Sanogo. He has been their best player this year. He has been the best player for them throughout this tournament. So I think the answer is absolutely yes, you can win with a big man as your best player, but you got to surround your big man with enough other talent, with guys that have the ability to get to the basket like a Jordan Hawkins, to knock down a three like a Jordan Hawkins, or an Alex Caravan, or a bunch of the other shooters that UConn has, uh, you gotta surround your big man with something to complement their game. And that goes back to that idea of being multiple. And I just think that combination of Jordan Hawkins and Adama Sanogo, we are truly going to look back at that combination of talent, that combination of players, as really a dynamic duo that I don't think got enough credit throughout this year. Looking back at it, I certainly didn't give them enough credit, but that should go down as one of the all-time duos when you think about an inside-outside duo with Jordan Hawkins and Adama Sanogo. And, you know, they do have a chance to run it back. I think there's a, a pretty good chance that Hawkins is going to be gone after this year, but you never know. And, uh, and I think there's a pretty good chance that, that Adama sinogo will be back. So, you know, maybe this is just, the, this is the year that we'll always remember from these two. I, you know, I think Hawkins is a potential first rounder. So I am not going to be too surprised if he goes, maybe even a, maybe even a lottery pick. Um, so I wouldn't be too surprised if he goes, but, for this year, they were an uh, outstanding inside-outside duo. Maybe in the future, if Sonogo does come back for next year, Hurley can find somebody with a similar skill set. You know, as difficult as that may be to envision right now, that there's somebody else out there that can replicate what Jordan Hawkins did this year. Maybe there is, and maybe they find that person for next year. But for tonight, I think we just got to celebrate what this duo is and, and what they accomplished this season. And on this tournament run, but I think that big takeaway is you got to be multiple, and you can win if your best player is a big man as long as there are enough there's enough talent at the other positions, at the guard spots, at the wing spots in order to complement that big man. So you know, I think if you paired uh Jordan Hawkins with Zach Eadie, could they win a national championship? Certainly, if you paired what Purdue surrounded Zach Eady with, with Adama Sunogo, do they win a national championship? I don't know about that. So I, I think this year and the, the failure of kind of these big heavy teams is less about the big men themselves and can you win in college basketball with the big man and more about you got to pair your big man with the right talent around him. You got to be multiple. You got to have a bunch of ways to win. You got to be really athletic at, other positions. uh, And I think that's what we saw from this UConn team tonight. My next takeaway is that if there was ever any debate that the Big East is truly a power conference, that has to be put to bed. And we live in this football-centric world. And look, I love college football as much as anybody. I live, breathe, eat it. I'm reading spring game updates all day, even in the midst of March madness, I'm you know watching games at night reading spring game updates during the day. I love college football. I love college basketball, but in this era where everything is so football dominated, sometimes I hear things where it's like, "Oh, yeah, and the Big East, oh, and the Big East. I guess they count as a power conference. No no, 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 no. The Big East is a power conference. You are looking at a UConn team that absolutely ran through this NCAA tournament, ran through it. This is a UConn team that went 13 and seven in the Big East. Now they had some close losses. The computers loved them all year long, but they still lost seven regular season conference games. And UConn did not lose another game Outside of the Big East, seven regular season Big East losses, one loss to Marquette in the Big East tournament, and they did not take a non-conference loss at all this year. And that includes beating Alabama in November, beating Iowa State in non-conference play early in the season, also in November, beating a couple power conference teams that didn't make the tournament in Oregon, Oklahoma State, and Florida. So not the greatest competition there, but teams that you certainly need to beat. And then, of course, going on this tournament run, where I really thought Arkansas was going to beat this UConn team. I thought, they had, I thought UConn had a relatively easy draw through the first two games, and I said, Arkansas is playing great. They beat Kansas. They're coming into their own. UConn is finally facing a team in this tournament with as much talent as, as they have. And what did UConn do in that Sweet 16 game? They dismantled Arkansas. They beat them 88 to 65, and I think this just goes to show you what a good league the Big East is. And I, I often hesitate to just use tournament results to justify how good a league is. And this isn't just about the tournament for me, because it's about UConn's whole body of work and what they did early in the season and late in the season. And I think. To a large extent, the Big East beat up on each other. You also had Creighton making an Elite Eight. But again, it's not all just about tournament success because to me, I've always said, if your goal is to win national championships, you should be aiming for every year, get a top four seed. You want to get a top four seed every year, roll the dice, and see what happens. Well, in the Big East, Marquette, Xavier, and UConn all got top four seats. In the Big Ten, it was only Purdue and Indiana. The Big 12 had a lot. The Big 12 had four, Kansas, Texas, Baylor, and Kansas State. The SEC just had Alabama and Tennessee. To me, the Big East, at least at the top, is as good as any conference out there. To me, it's the Big East and the Big 12 right now who really have established themselves as the two top conferences in college basketball. And the bottom of the Big East does not compare to the bottom of, say, the Big 10. But Georgetown is at the bottom. What we know about Georgetown, we know that Georgetown now has Ed Cooley, who's done an incredible job at Providence, who's going to, I think, have pretty good success there. St. John's, now coached by Rick Patino. And then Providence replaces Ed Cooley with one of the top up-and-comers in the sport in Kim English. This Big East is going to be relevant for years to come. And if there was ever any doubt that this is a power conference in basketball, let's put that to bed right now. Because the way Georgetown dominated the non-conference and the way Georgetown... Do- I'm sorry, I don't know where that Georgetown came from. The way UConn dominated in the non-conference and the way UConn dominated the tournament I think shows you just how good that team is and just how good the Big East is. That that UConn team that dominated early and dominated late eight or seven regular season losses in Big East play. So that's number two for me. The Big East is a power conference if there was ever any debate. My final takeaway from this UConn national championship is that UConn is clearly a blue blood. We, I went through this a little bit with Brian the other, the other day. But to me, the definition of a blue blood is the programs at the very top of the sport who have had success, the most success, in semi-recent memory. Semi-recent. To me, it's a mix of the historical with a weight on, let's call it the past, I don't know, just for convenience, like 25 years because in the last 25 years that's what your that's what your college basketball average college basketball fan probably remembers really if you're talking a 25 year stretch that means somebody who is 35 remembers all of it it means somebody that's 25 remembers half of it but anybody 35 and older remembers all of it so i I give a a lot of extra weighting to the last 25 years as opposed to what happened in 1950 and i'm not saying that's that's not important but to me five national championships since 1999 is something that clearly qualifies yukon as having blue blood status I mean, we talk about Duke as a clear blue blood. And certainly they are. No argument for me there. I think Coach K is the best coach in the history of college basketball. I don't think anybody's done it better. But if you look at Duke, they have five national championships as well. They're all under Coach K. And the first one was in 1991. So why is Duke a blue blood but UConn's excluded from this mythical blue-blood status? Is it because Duke won their first national championship eight years earlier than UConn did? And I know Duke had some basketball success prior to Coach K, but in reality, I mean, it's nothing compared to what they had once Coach K arrived. So to me, Duke's a blue-blood, certainly, uconn's a blue blood as well and duke has been you know i'm not here to argue that uconn is a better program than duke they're not coach k did amazing things they were so consistent for so many years they went to so many final fours duke has been to 17 final fours all time uconn's been to six they've won five national championships in those six uh but duke has been more consistent however To me, blue blood means you win at the highest level of the sport. You have been the best programs in the history of the sport with an emphasis on recent history. Let's call it last 25 years. Let's even call it last 30 years. But there is no doubt to me, if you are going to wait the last 25 years, UConn is up there with anybody as the most successful programs. And the fact that they have done it under three different coaches – speaks volumes to me about what type of job this is, about what type of program this is. You know, there are a lot of programs out there that are built on one coach. And that was the knock on UConn for many, many years, that this was a Jim Calhoun thing. And once he was gone, you know, they were going to fall apart. Well, a couple years later, Kevin Ollie wins a national title. Uh, and you can say, yeah, that was a little bit still the remnants of of Jim Calhoun. Well, guess what? Jim Calhoun retired in 2012. He retired 11 years ago. UConn is now national champions again. This is a special job. This is an outstanding job. This is a blue blood program. It's a program so committed to basketball that they left the American Athletic Conference, and they said, we are going to prioritize basketball. With this fifth title, there is no doubt in my mind, UConn is a blue-blood program, and they should be talked about among the elite, elite, elite of the sport. You know, I talked a little bit about John Wooden the other day and how long ago it really was that he coached at UCLA. and. I think we sometimes get so stuck in our idea of like this is the history that matters. These are the blue bloods. These are the teams with a history of success. But if you go back and look at it, in 19 in the 1960s, we probably had this idea. People back then talking about sports, writing about sports, had this idea of who the blue bloods were and John Wooden had an unprecedented run of success that will, I don't think can ever, will ever be matched. But that run started in the 1963, 1964 season, at least in regards to the national championships. That's when he won his first national title. That's when UCLA won their first title. So are you telling me in, you know, 1969, now, it's it's not apples to apples because UCLA won five national championships over the course of six years and ultimately 10 over 12 years. So it's not apples to apples by any means. But when they won their fifth national title in 1969, I am sure there were people, there were sports writers that, you know, had been covering college basketball for 30 years that said, well, UCLA is great right now, but they're just a flash in the pan. They're not a they're not a true historical power. Look, we saw it with Miami football in the 80s. Miami football kind of came out of nowhere, and they haven't sustained that success. But when I was growing up, early 2000s, there's no doubt in my mind, people considered Miami football blue blood. And I view Yukon basketball in a very similar light to Miami football, except Yukon basketball has sustained it better. Tonight on this night when Yukon has won their fifth national title, let's put to bed this narrative that yet for some reason had to have success in the 50s and 60s to be considered a basketball blue blood. Yukon has had as much success as anybody In the last 25 years, they are on an upward trajectory and they look like they are headed for another run. You know, I don't want to, I can't say that it's going to be what Jim Calhoun put together, but they are on an upward trajectory and they look like they could run off more Final Fours. They could run off more national championships. They could run off more Big East titles. So, UConn, this is your night. Huskies everywhere, celebrate because you have won five national titles, you have had a better 25-year stretch than just about anyone. Anytime there's an opportunity, anytime you make the tournament and there is an opportunity, you pretty much take advantage of it. You saw one of the best inside-outside combos that I've seen in Jordan Hawkins and Adama Sanogo. So celebrate this night. This one's for you. Enjoy it. You earned it. What a great tournament. I loved I love this tournament. I loved there any minute, every minute of it. There were so many people who chimed in for just this weekend or just this night talking about how all the reasons they don't like college basketball. For my money, I loved this tournament. I thought it was a fantastic tournament. I thought we had a little bit of everything. I thought we had the upsets, we had teams on the come-up. We had new we had new blood in the Final Four. We had a blue blood. We had a blue blood in UConn establishing, reestablishing their dominance. So I thought it was a fantastic tournament. And uh, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. UConn fans, enjoy it. I will talk to you soon. We'll get back into football. We'll talk transfer portal and all the off-season basketball topics. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.